Hi folks and welcome to Let's Talk Apple episode 12. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for August 2014. Joining me today, I have a lovely panel. Um, actually, no, they're just a lovely panel. I'll just leave it at that. Um, let me see. Gaz was the first to answer my email looking for a panelist. So, hi, Gaz, and welcome aboard. Good evening, uh, as it's evening over here at the moment. So, uh, yes, thank you, Bob. Well, I agree with you, but I think our other two guests think it's afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> they're wrong. Um, joining us from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, we have Alison Sheridan. Hi, Alison. Oh, sorry, Bart. I wasn't paying attention. I was playing with my new Windows phone. <laughs> I love that you got a Windows phone. It's awesome. I th- someone I can't remember. I can't remember who I had this conversation with. It may have been on Twitter, but someone said, "You know, the world hell is freezing over." Alison has bought a Windows phone, and I said, "No, no, 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 no. Hell is fine until Alison gets rid of her iPhone." <laughs> That's hell true. Is That's over. true. I must say, it's a nice little phone. It's a Nokia six thirty five for a hundred dollars. Actually, ninety two dollars off contract. Cool. But anyway, this is Let's Talk Apple. Yeah, kind of. Um, And finally, Chuck Joyner is back with us for the first time in a wee while. Great to have you back, Chuck. Thank you, Bart. It's good to be here. And and hang on a second, because I'm just getting an email up with all of Allison's personal information now that she's using her (laughs) Windows phone. Uh, Wait, I I think it was uh, Apple's iCloud that was breached today. So uh, let's go. Anyway, that's not this week's news. Breached and patched, thankfully. Yeah. Well, breaches are bad, but patches are good. Anyway, before we dive into the, the, well, I say the bigger stories, it really has been the silly season this month. Like, every week what I do is I read the whole, throughout the whole week I read the news, and then every time there's something that might make the show, I click the little Instapaper button, and it goes off into a little folder called, For Let's Talk Apple in Instapaper. And then the end of the month, I sort through those and pick out the best stories and make a show. I usually have a raw ingredient pile of about 90 to 100 stories. I had 32 this week, or this month. (laughs) I just looked up what silly season means, and the web definition is a time usually late summer characterized by exaggerated news stories about frivolous matters for want of real news. There we go. (laughs) I think that meets the definition perfectly. (laughs) I like it. Well, in fact, you even had to move some stuff out because it was silly. One thing was silly enough, it moved. Yeah, one thing was a story and then was not a story. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least it sounded like a story, but then reality intervened and went, eh, eh. Well, at least with Gaz and I on the show, uh, we should be able to handle silly. I don't know about Chuck. He's a little serious, you know. No, I'm, I'm very serious, Allison. I'm, I'm just that kind of guy. <laughs> anyway, before we <laughs> kick into the big stories in inverted commas, um, just one interesting number caught my eye during the month. Um, Microsoft has, cumulatively, now this is not, they didn't lose all this money in one quarter, but as of now, since they launched the Surface in 2012, they have lost $1.7 billion on it. So. I'm actually starting to feel a little sorry for Microsoft. Well, look, they have a new CEO. He gets the change in new, you know, he set, gets a set of course now. Like an oil tanker, it's going to take him a little while to do that bend, but maybe I, I have high hopes. Yeah, we got to keep some competition going here. Yeah, well, just you, know, you have a Windows phone. You've had it for two weeks. You haven't yet thrown it under a bus. That's a good sign. Right, yeah. I'm not sure it'll save him, though. 
No, that's true. <laughs> uh, do you know anyone who actually uses and likes a Surface? Yeah, yeah. My friends on the uh, SMR podcast, uh, a couple of them have uh, the Surface and the Surface Two, and I think uh, now I've gotten the Surface Pro Three, and it's supposed to be a pretty good uh, device. Okay. Just don't need one. <laughs> it doesn't com- compute for me. And, but- and ridiculously expensive is part of the problem. You know, the uh, the the really good one, if you uh, if you actually amp it up, uh, does everything that an I, I, uh, a MacBook Air can do, but for more money. Wait, how's that a good thing? <laughs> no, it's... So I, I think I think had they priced it lower, it might have a, a fighting chance, but it's actually priced higher in yeah. most configurations. But, but they say it replaces your money. iPad. There's <laughs> <laughs> that. If they sell Make it as a little they're really in trouble. Okay, um, then we move on to the courts. And this, this month is very much a case of just FYIs. It's just a few little developments to keep an eye on, more than spectacularly big news, really. Um, Samsung and Apple have agreed to consolidate all of their annoying court cases into one single manageable jurisdiction. In other words, they're not suing each other in any country apart from the US, but they're still going at it good in the US. I think probably the only thing there is it means none of us have to learn about German law, <laughs> apart from the Germans. <laughs> Uh, then in Apple v. Samsung 1, which is the case from 2012, which is still not finished, um, Judge Lucy Coe has denied Apple's request that Samsung, who were found guilty of willfully infringing Apple's uh, patents, Apple asked that they should be made pay their Apple's legal fees, and she said no, because the iPhone wasn't famous enough. What? What does that mean? What does not famous enough mean? Well, she basically... I don't understand. I have tried to make this compute, and the only thing I've put into the show notes is star, head explodes, star. <laughs> well, I, I decided to actually go read the links because you gave them to us enough in advance, and I read it, and I just... What? I don't understand. doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. I, I want to know what Judge Coe is going to have to do to be declared uh, unable to be objective, because it... Not because this is let's talk Apple, but she seems to, it's, these decisions seems seem to be so biased against Apple in such silly ways. I mean, and this is a this is a great example. I mean, what do you mean the iPhone is not famous enough so they don't have to pay the legal expenses? First of all, I'm not sure I see the connection between A and B. But even if I even if I pretend that there's a connection, what I mean, how much more famous do you want the iPhone to be? What is it? Do you want everybody to have tattoos? I don't. Well, get I think it. when it happened. Uh, when the infringement happened was so far back that it wasn't famous enough, supposedly. Yeah. So, she so she's not saying, not saying now. Yeah. But, yeah, but when, when, when was the iPhone not famous? I mean, Steve walked out <laughs> on stage and bang, it was famous. What? Yeah, what? That. It's a phone. It's a communicator. It's an iPod. Yeah. From that moment on. <laughs> Are you getting it yet? It's a phone. It's a communicator. <laughs> it's an iPod. Now, just to say, right, Judge Coe has generally been the same one. But it's Judge Cote is the one I have disagreed with everything that woman has said. So this is the first time Judge Cote has done something that I've kind of gone, wahoo? But it's a doozy. Um, actually, maybe maybe she just had enough of Apple because she's also the judge <laughs> in Apple v. Samsung round two. And there were also developments in that. So the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, in their unique and special way, issued a ruling that's what well, they call it a preliminary ruling. So it's a ruling that's not a ruling. It's like, we've half done our work, so here's what we think so far, but we have a little bit more work to do. And so their half-done work is that some of Apple's claims in some of the patents in that case don't hold up. 
So Samsung said, hey, judge, look at this over here. Can we get off these charges, please? And the judge went, no. So I don't know about that. But then Apple said, how's about an injunction against Samsung? And she went, no, to that as well. <laughs> so Apple v. Samsung 1, still going after all these years. Apple v. Samsung 2, still going after all these years. And then in the same court, with the same judge, there's also that lovely anti-poaching court case going on. So she Which really one was that? Of Apple by now. Which one was that, Bart? That was where Steve Jobs and the Google guys and a bunch of other people said, I'll tell you what, if we don't hire your people, oh, we don't hire right, our, right. our people. And right. I believe that's very much against Californian law. Yeah. And Apparently. <laughs> yeah, and the emails that made it to court don't leave much doubt about whether or not Apple did it. But that's still going to trial, right? Well, no, because it's not going to trial because everyone's decided to settle. Oh, okay. But uh, the judge has rejected the settlement because uh, she didn't feel it actually was enough. Yeah, and didn't that go back and forth and back and forth too? She said it wasn't enough, and then but it was what the the states had um, had agreed to. No, that was the one to do with ebook with e-publishing that went back and forth. Ah, okay. So that's judge Coach, Sorry, there's not so judge many. Coe. <laughs> totally different. I know. <laughs> so Head in explodes. this case, actually, some of the workers affected had complained that, you what, you're giving us $5,000 to make up for years of not being able to get paid as much as we could have been able to get paid? And she went, yeah, you have a point. Hmm. I kind of think they have a point, too. So anyway, that's where that one stands. So they've, they've got to go back and, I guess, make a better offer. Um. So that is all of what happened... Well, no, that's not all of what happens in the court. That's all of what happened in the court that I think is even worth talking about. I'm sure there was lots more. Yay, vegetables eaten. Yes, exactly. So let's move into the first of our big stories. And Alison, this one is very much in your home turf. So Apple had a $1 billion deal with the LA school district. And from my understanding as a foreigner looking at it from a long way away, that's a very big school district. Yeah, it is a huge school district. I mean, Los Angeles is huge. The Los Angeles school district is giant. So that's not just a few schools. That's a lot of schools, a lot of kids. Right. And they, you know, the Apple, I'm pretty sure I remember making a very big deal about this deal when they did it. But they had a deal to give every kid an iPad. And that deal fell through. But from what I can understand of it, the biggest problem seems to have been how the deal was done and the politics of it rather than the technology of it. Is that your reading? Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, uh, there are 655,000 students in <laughs> LA Unified School District. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of big. It's kind of big. A district? That's much bigger than a district. <laughs> from what country. I could follow, from- <laughs> it's the size of Europe. So uh, the I, I'm always fascinated by things like like Belgium not having a government and wanting to split in half when it's you know a quarter the size of one of our towns. But uh, anyway. Um, the LA Unified School District had a deal to um, provide these iPads, but part of it was they were partnering with Pearson as a subcontractor. Unfortunately, one of the school board members uh, used to work for Pearson and apparently was communicating with them during the uh, the deal making, which is a, a pretty bad no-no. And I mean, in Europe, there's very, very strict laws when any, any public institution it puts out stuff for tender. We have all these tendering laws and we're not allowed to do all sorts of stuff. Is that the same in America that because they're yeah. a school district, they have to play by the, by a very open set of rules? 
Yeah, anything that's uh, definitely if it's a uh, government controlled in any way, but I think it's true with p- private corporations as well, is there's a period of time where you're not allowed to talk to each other, you, you know, if you've mm. got several companies bidding. So it doesn't sound like it's anything technological. I was actually surprised to hear this was going through at all because it was the LA uh, Unified School District that uh, decided to stop letting the students have the iPads because a bunch of them figured out how to get around the controls they'd put on them. So they were they were uneducated in how to lock the, the uh, iPads down properly, and mm. a bunch of clever students figured out how to get around it so they could do things like Facebook and all that kind of nonsense on these, on these iPads. Now, personally, I would have taken all the students who figured it out and put them in the accelerated computer science program instead of punishing them, but uh, I'm not in charge. I kind of agree with you, actually. Yeah, that, that was yeah, that was a big road. I remember that story coming up quite a while ago. More than now. a year ago, right? yeah. maybe two years. I think. It might so be I was glad to ago. hear that they were still they were trying to do it again. Maybe they're smarter now. Yeah, well, I guess not because the deal's now fallen through. But Apple have said and Pearson have said that they're going to reapply for the new tender. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like they went back and said, "Whoa, we meant to give them Surface Pros." No, I was afraid when I saw the headline at first that it was, you know, that there was going to be this big pedagogy. Pedi- how do you say that word? How do you say pedagogy only only longer? <laughs> Pedagogical? I don't know. <laughs> Messy. Educational needs. Uh, <laughs> you know, they basically they found these things weren't good for education. I thought, oh goodness me, if Apple have managed to make the iPads not work in education, this is horrible. And then I went, oh, this is just someone did a bad job of tendering. Yeah, that's good. Um, the next sort of anyway, anyone else have any thoughts on that? But they're they're retendering, aren't they? I don't, yeah. This isn't yeah. It's not over. This you know, it's it's just. I think it's just officialdom gone crazy. But <laughs> well, as, uh, long, as, or, as long as there's no bias against yeah. Apple now, that I mean, okay, so what, now that it, they're famous, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in in theory, and, and I didn't get to see all the particulars of this in theory okay so there was a procedural violation you know i'm i'm still not quite convinced that 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 should elevate to the point of dismissing the whole thing but if it should okay fine but let's just go back and start with an even playing field and and let the products being applied for or excuse me let the products being proposed stand on their own yeah. it and, might be that it would go against pearson but i don't see why it would affect apple Amen. Apple yep. wasn't really involved in it. And just for for clarification, Pearson are school book publishers, aren't they? I believe so. So, th- so their role was to make the educational materials to put on the iPads. Right. Correct. Okay. Well, the next sort of group of stories, I sort of call, I, I called the section authorities continue to play catch up in the digital age, but that might be a bit too snotty. I may be being unfair. <laughs> but there were two stories that I think go together. So the first one, again, in your turf, Alison, it seems California was busy despite the city season. It is now, or the law has passed in California mandating kill switches on smartphones by July 2015. I would really like someone to explain this to me because <laughs> Apple has a kill switch and yes. so does Android. Why was it we needed to spend a bunch of money writing laws about that? Do all versions of Android have it? Well, probably the recent ones, but uh, I do believe, I haven't verified that, but I heard on another show that they do have um, kill switches, so why do we need a law? I assume Windows phones do as well. 
I don't know, but it's not like that swings the needle a whole bunch to need a law about no, it, right? I, I would have thought that with Android, it would very much depend on who was putting it all together. Right. Uh, what do you mean? As in, you know, so Android the OS probably has the feature, but does, does, an, does every Android phone you buy have it? Because that's not the uh, same thing. Oh, so you're saying because Android is an Android is an Android, maybe you could have one that was um, was had I mean, it removed? If it's a feature, right, that the people, let's say HTC, could decide to include it or not include it. You know, it, it may be there as an ingredient, but does it mean it's on every phone? Okay, I get your point. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is there on every phone. Well, and there's, and there are a lot of other smaller players. I mean, if you go into any store right now, AT and T or Verizon, at least in the U.S., there are a lot of phones that I think a lot of us haven't heard of. Hmm. That you know, if so, if, if there is Nokia still in the business at all? They I think they're still yeah, they still make the Nokia six thirty five in my hand. The the Windows oh, phones. That's well, bought yeah. by Microsoft. Well, only people that you know. By a relevant technology, have one of those, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no. So I, I, I kind of get the point. You know, I, I, I loved Bart's title of this because I think that the authorities are trying to play catch up across the board. This one just yeah. seems like yeah. all right. And it, one thing, it does seem to be kind of a sta- an established fact from the New York City Police Department that there there is a definite deterrent to uh phones having having locked screens or being able to be locked hence the reduction in the theft of iPhones yeah. and the other thing like not all android decrypts the internal disk by default which means it's very hard to have a kill switch on the models that don't have their data encrypted because the way the iPhone kill switch works is it just destroys the key and therefore the entire contents of the drive is garbage it's pseudo random data and so if you don't have an encrypted phone, the only way you can kill it is to go in there and chunk, chunk, chunk and slowly bash away at all the data, which, you know, an attacker could in theory interrupt that process. I wonder whether the uh, – since I haven't gotten a chance to read mm. the law, uh, whether it has to do with whether it's opt-in or opt-out. You know, I, I believe you have to sort of turn it on on the iPhone. Is that right? You have to have find my phone turned on or something like that. You do actually, yes. So maybe the law says it has to be opt out, or that'll be interesting. I didn't. I didn't actually. I didn't think of it from that angle, so I didn't check. Would someone like to volunteer to have a quick read while we carry on, because I don't think also reading an article makes the best radio <laughs> I'm in the world. Just trying to read through the uh, the quote uh, on the website now, but I can't see anything. But I'll I'll see if I can take a quick dig through the bill. I was going to say, Gaz, you you don't take too big of a dig because your your home turf is next up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but he's the only one who knows how to read, apparently. <laughs> I can't multitask, so if I go off and read, I'll just end up reading it out loud into the microphone. <laughs> I'm very male in that way. Um, in the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, the Metropolitan Police are putting pressure on mobile device makers to enable lock screens by default. So this is your, you know, this is a default thing, like you were suggesting earlier, Alison. So instead of it being that your phone can have a lock code, it's that your phone will have a lock code unless you make the decision not to. Yeah. Okay, and then the deterrent factor is again at issue here. But this, I mean, this again, this has got to get into legislation. The, the UK's Met Police encouraging it is, yes. is, is not going to do anything until actually it gets put into law that it's going to happen. Correct. So. Yeah. Um, but obviously they they presumably will have some sway with uh, all of the parliamentarians that uh, live and work in London. 
So, uh, yeah. Well, that's if, most if of you it. remember back to America, it was police departments with people who were saying we needed a law, and then California went, "There you go, have a law." Yeah. Yep, true enough. Um, certainly the, the encouragement from the New York Police Department and uh, the, the way they went around telling people about um, the uh, the locking on the uh, iPhone and how much a better device it was because of it, uh, I think certainly has brought this as to you, uh, what you said about um, the authorities playing catch-up and finally getting there. Um, lock screen, I think that's a bit old school, though. I think most people know that now it's 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 purely a choice of convenience isn't it and there are a lot of people out there that think um the convenience of having to tap four numbers or even less if you if you actually go long and then you can actually have a shorter number adversely isn't it it's a bit weird that is it is actually yeah because if you have a full keyboard then you can actually have more security with less letters because every yeah. <laughs> that's right um but it, it people just don't they just want to pull their phone out of their pocket and and run with it, but I think the encouragement for them to have a lock screen initially probably wouldn't be a bad a bad idea. Well, it's to me, it's a leftover. Right? Our phones used to be just mm. devices for ringing people, and if you didn't put a pin on it, you ran the risk of getting a very large bill, and that was it. That was your total risk. But now our phones are actually little computers in our pocket with just about all of our personal data on them, and maybe we should change our behaviour because the assumption that the behaviour is based on is completely wrong now. I do think people don't look after their phones as much as they look after their wallets, and they've got to realise they've probably got more value uh, in data uh, and information on their phones than they'll ever have in their wallets. Certainly true in my wallet. I haven't thought about it that way, Gaz. That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. That that should that should be a slogan somewhere. <laughs> that was worth worth the price of having you on the show. Right, I've got to go now. You don't want to overachieve. <laughs> any, any other final thoughts on any of this stuff, or do I move us along into the next potentially slightly well, controversial is probably too strong a word. <laughs> Me. Sensitive topic. Let's oh, keep let, moving. Let, let's, let's, let's go forward. We we love controversy. Yeah, as I, said, can, I may have oversold it a bit. Um, I agree with whatever I, I, Chuck says. I, I'll stop you there because I've just really, really quickly read the first uh, uh-huh. paragraph um, of the uh, of the act. It doesn't seem to be an opt out. It just seems to be something which is that it's got to have it. The device mm. has got to have the ability to have a um, uh, um, kill switch. Kill switch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's not any smarter than we thought it was when we started. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'll, uh, I might I might scan in a, a dead period further on. We might come back to that. <laughs> so if it gets boring, <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay, so let's get on to the controversy, Bart. Again, I may have oversold it slightly. Um, <laughs> main story number three: um, diversity at Apple. So Apple have released their diversity report, and I don't remember one of these coming out before, but maybe I'm just misremembering. Is is this a first or am I just have a bad memory? A first for Apple or a first for any company? No, no for Apple. Oh, it's definitely not a first for any company, I presume. It seems to me Google started it and now the other companies are I, – I think what was nice about Google starting it is is they sucked. And so the other companies going, yeah, man, we suck too and, and starting to publish it. If Google had come out and said, yeah, we're 50-50 in our technical ranks of uh, women and men, uh, then I don't think it would have maybe garnered all the other companies to jump on board and start publishing. But I think maybe they're publishing because they want to try to figure out collectively how do we, how do we affect this. 
So step one to solving a problem, admit you have a problem. That's what, it's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing that purely by uh, you know, surmising from yeah. what I'm wa- reading. Well, well, if you look at Apple's past history, their supplier transparency reports are a great way of putting pressure on themselves to fix their supply chain. And it seems to be working. Yeah. So I guess the same logic would apply. So Tim Cook released a quote that went out with this, which I thought was interesting. So I don't usually... Do you want to tell them what the stats are? Well, I was going to say, we'll get to the stats in a minute, but I just want to prefix them with this quote from Tim Cook. Actually, I'm really bad at reading out loud. Can anyone read that out loud? I'll do it. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Tim Cook says, Apple is committed to transparency, which is why we are publishing statistics about the race and gender makeup of our company. Let me say up front, as CEO, I'm not satisfied with the numbers on this page. They're not new to us, and we've been working hard for quite some time to improve them. We are making progress, and we're committed to being innovative in advancing diversity as we are in developing our products. So that's the context. Um. So basically, yeah, so Apple, see, I don't, hmm, I'm not sure if I'm the right person to comment on these numbers, because I don't know what good is. <laughs> Alison, well, you've l- actually been in, like, the real world, because I'm in a university, and we just have a very, we're just not the real world in some of these things. So the um, the transparency report, uh, I like the link that uh, Bart put in the show notes to, uh, it's PX lnv.com and they show each of the different companies by gender diversity in tech positions and then gender diversity in non-tech positions uh this is specifically the gender one Um, i'm going to stick this into this link i'm going to put into the show notes so that great everyone can see it because it's very good actually because it starts off with this is the actual percentage of males and females in the u.s population this is the percentage in the u.s workforce and then it tells you about the companies so at least you have some sort of notion of what imbalance would be? So uh, overall, USA is is close to fifty fifty. It's forty nine percent male, female is fifty one percent. Apple is in tech positions eighty percent male, twenty percent female, which sadly Bad. is better than Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Yahoo. Well, we're not sure about Twitter or Microsoft and Yahoo. Those are, they've got a special note on those. Uh, it looks like. Uh, it's really dramatically swayed male. I mean, not even, not even close. Yeah. And you can see, I guess what I would like to maybe get another cut on is what are the percentages of women and men in the workforce? Oh, the I guess that's why is, they gave the other number. So, yeah, so, so USA overall. One. Yeah. Okay. So it's still pretty close to 50, 50. So it's 46.9% yeah. female, 53.1% male. So it swings just a teeny bit, but that that's saying 46% of the workforce in the USA is, is uh, female and yet only 20% are in the tech positions. Yeah. And I'm actually very, I'm surprised if you'd asked me to guess, I would never have guessed that it was that close to 50, 50 in the workforce. Which is, yeah. Uh, I would which, have expected you know, maybe to be 70 30 or at least 60 40 or something 60, right 60 40 would have been my guess yeah even and just 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 to, just to read off what um uh, Allison said there Microsoft and Yahoo both have a note and it looks like they don't separate their tech and non-tech workers <laughs> and that's not very combined. transparent no <laughs> and that, no. that sort of makes that particular statistic quite the mockery doesn't it well, well especially it, since we we don't know how much it sways it, of course, do you? Mm-hmm. It, that's the problem. Well, well oh, if it you could look at the totally other companies, them in the tech numbers. You know, their non-tech numbers are still a lot. Well, actually, no, Apple Apple don't do so well in the non-tech stuff because Apple are still sixty-five percent male in non-tech positions. 
whereas Google is 52%, which is an awful, which is actually pretty much bang on the money. Yep. You know, workforce wise. And Twitter is 50 50. Yahoo actually has more females than males in non tech positions. So it seems that Apple don't really come out of the, this one smelling entirely of roses. Yeah, even in their, if you take the non-tech positions into account, that's, uh, you would think that would sway the other way. But yeah, they're not doing well there either. Um, I, I, read a, I read a long-form article, and I'm trying to find it right now. It was a link I found in Twitter this morning talking about uh, women in um, programming companies hmm. and how because the numbers are so dramatically swayed towards male – there's kind of a, a, a cultural shift that happens where somebody who's, let's say, is sexist in nature, mm. if they're in regular life, they know they can't act sexist, right? Because everybody's yes. going to beat them with sticks. But if they tend to be in a male-dominant uh, environment, that it starts to somehow feel okay to do that. And the, the women were, were talking about just the, the constant barrage of, of little comments. And, and there's some things I definitely lived with. Like uh, I remember seeing a program uh, staffing chart and it said uh, it would need six men. Now, it didn't say six man months, which I'm used to. I, mean, I can live with that, right? It said six men. And I brought it up to my boss. I said, apparently, I'm not allowed to work on this program. And he was like, oh, oh sorry, we'll fix that. And the next month, he put it up looking exactly like that. And that's, that's a little teeny tiny thing, but it's sort of a death by a thousand cuts that you hear that stuff all the time and, and you don't feel like you're part of the, part of the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm a programmer and a sysadmin. That, that's sort of what I do. And I am definitely in a male-dominated team, but we have a female manager and that really nips any of that kind of carry on in the bud because, you know, laddishness wouldn't float and it shouldn't float. It's good. You know, I wondered about that too, Bart, because our, um, our software engineering organization was run by a woman and of the, uh, this is a large organization of about 1,200 people and in my old company and the, um, the line managers, I would say more than half of the line managers under her were women. But then I started thinking, okay, but that doesn't mean in the technical force they're women. And so I started looking around. I ran some statistics. I was uh, what was called a, a fellow in the company. And uh, in IT, when I left, I was the last female fellow or the only female, the only female fellow they'd ever had. And then I, I retired. So there are no female IT fellows in a company of 80,000 people. And that's the highest technical rank you oh, can yeah, get in IT. That's not just a little biased. That's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet, I mean, our, our workforce wasn't nearly as bad as this. Not, not, yeah. even, not even nowhere near. I've seen the statistics and it was way better than this in the technical ranks. Yeah. Um, but the highest technical ranks was uh, not represented. And there are those little things that I don't think you realize are, are actually being said. And I think that was kind of what this article was going into is it's not the blatant uh, sexist things. It's the little comments, the little everyday drip that seems to make it worse. Yeah. Um, one other comment I wanted to make, um, I was talking to uh, Dr. Gary, the, the woman that was on my show, talking about uh, memory a while back. Mm -hmm. and, and she talked about how they were bringing in new candidates and they brought her the list of candidates and they were all male. And she said, bring me some women. And like, well, you know, this is the candidates we had. And like, well, you know, if you just broaden your, your round off of the GPAs, you can get some women in that list. So they brought a one woman. And she said, well, you know what? One woman doesn't have, uh, doesn't have a team around them of other women. And that doesn't work either. Bring me more women. And I, I really got 
I'm I'm not sure I agree with her that that's the right way to go because I'm really a big proponent of you know if you're worth it you'll be on the list. Yeah, but yeah, something's can, can I can I can I carry on that from that Please. actually, Harrison? Because what I was thinking was th- this is not the company's fault. This is society's fault, and they've got to encourage women. Um, to be involved in these sorts of companies more because equally you've got the reverse situation. Certainly in the UK, the vast majority of primary schools, I bet, are swayed completely in the other directions and primary schools in the UK, I bet, are screaming out for men teachers whereas the uh, vast proportion of the primary school teachers in the UK are likely to be women. So you've got the reverse happening elsewhere and society as a whole has got to work to encourage people to be diverse in their choice of workplace. The companies can do so much, but what the companies have got to be careful of is they're not just putting people in place just to get these numbers looking good because yeah. that won't do them any good at all. Yeah, it's to, to me the importance here is that you should reflect and ask why and then f- deal with the why as well than say, yeah. ah, well, we've got to change the numbers. Okay, then let's change the numbers because yeah. I don't think that helps. I was actually having a similar conversation to this with, with a friend recently and what we sort of ended up focusing on was that there are a whole bunch of, you know, hard sexism is gone. There, there is no law that says, I mean, when when my partner's mother was, was in the civil service, there was a law that said that if you got married, you had to resign your job. I mean, that's sexism writ large, right? That, that, and that's gone today, and that would never hold any water today. But there's a whole bunch of soft, soft sexism left. So if you go to an old boys' school, it's not that they tell you you cannot do home economics. They simply don't offer it. So it simply never even enters your mind. You don't know you're being in any way biased. It's just you as the student... Don't even consider it. And- which, which, which kind of goes along the lines of the fact that um, those boys could well be missing out. Yes. Be- because in a girls' school, they're likely to do the tech stuff. In an all-girls' school, they're likely to want to push them on to go into the tech stuff. And they'll get a much di- more diverse range of subjects than the boys in the boys' school. Well, when I, was I hope in- that's true, but I, it w- certainly wasn't true when I was younger, but... When I was in school, Bart, I was uh, told I had to take home economics. And I said, I don't want to take home economics. I want to take shop. And they said, okay, you can take shop if you convince a boy to take home ec. So I did. <laughs> I was in sixth grade and I was already doing stuff like this. But did, did, you know re- how did, many did he realize? Were? Did he realize? Well, if he was smart, he went, heck yeah, that's a room full of girls. <laughs> a little harder in sixth grade. I think convincing a high school guy to do it would be easier. But in sixth grade, it was a little bit, uh, tougher of a sell. Uh, by the way, Bart, I put a link in, in uh, the chat room there to the, – it, it was an article on wire.co.uk by uh, Louise Deason, I think. Okay, oh, no, I'm sorry. It's by Kitty Knowles. I will pop that into the show notes. Okay, cool. It's it's an interesting discussion. You know, we've kind of glossed over race. Was that in these notes, or was it, it only was. Uh, no, gender? I was getting to that. That's the one that, had, that okay. Right. As a European, I'm I don't know how one talks about these things without tripping over some sort of red bad word that'll make you be in trouble forever. Uh, but just before we finish up on the on the sexism thing, though, I just want to say there is one statistic that Apple comes out looking very good in. Well, I say very good. That's a really relative term, right? So on its own, the number is terrible. There is 72% of Apple's management are female, which is not spectacularly good. Male. But... Wait, male. Sorry, male. Yeah, sorry. That would have been spectacularly the other way around. Um, That's actually the best of all the tech companies that are in this list. That's significantly better than Facebook, than Google, than LinkedIn than Twitter and than Yahoo. 
So that's one mm-hmm. bit of good news. Yes, so I am going to leave the... Ra- right. First off, here in Ireland, we don't have the same kind of issues with race simply because our population is just plain old less diverse. So <laughs> we find that I, fi- I find this a very hard conversation to have because I don't know what minefields I'm about to trot on. So I'm going to let Alison and Chuck <laughs> and others lead on this one. And I'm just going to sit back and learn. And I have, uh, you know, I have, I have a hard time participating in this discussion because I've seen, I've seen the, the quota system in, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what it was at the time and it created nothing but problems and I'm not mm. defending no quota system, but it, it just, it feels to me like what seems to be happening in our own community, in, in the Mac community and the tech community, there's more of an awareness of issues in this area. I feel like it's got to start from the ground up. And so I've, I think, as you were the one that said it's society's the fault. The, 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 ground? Ground, the ground is, Allison, if, if I'm as, – as much as you and I like to joust, if we're sitting in a group of, of four people and somebody makes a, a, an honest-to-God sexist comment, not you know, a joking one, but on the other hand, maybe even a joking one, that, yes. er, that, that our responsibility is to say, hey, that's not cool. You know, that's, that's, that's really not acceptable. You know, and and that's where I think from the ground up you have to do it. Um, I talked to uh, Mike Lee at WWDC this year. He was in charge of you know like the the, the no tolerance policies that they had there, and it, it was really interesting. I mean, they they made specific decisions about how they were going to approach this. I think that's the best way for a lot of this stuff to happen. And I, and I, I realize that you know that, that it's tough to enforce that, and it's tough to do it. And how quickly should this stuff happen? Should it you know should it be no longer acceptable acceptable to have X number of percentage of Y ethnicity in 2010 and 2012 and 2015? Uh, you know how quickly should it happen? I have no idea. But forcing it is not the answer. You know, um, I'm I'm trying to find the exact stat, and I, maybe I've talked about this before. I've talked about it on other shows. Verizon is running some commercials right now. Uh, one of them shows a little girl uh, kind of playing in the mud, and she's got a bucket, and she's investigating some, you know, some bug or something in the water. And you hear her mother say, "Oh, honey, don't get your dress dirty." And then they show the the little girl with uh, she's she's putting a bunch of planets on her ceiling that she's she's uh, painted, and you hear her mother say, "Oh, this project's really gotten out of control." And then you hear you see her working on a, using a drill, making a rocket with her brother, and you hear her dad say, "Oh, let your brother use that use the drill." And the the statistic they give at the end, which I cannot uncover right now, is that a, a tremendous percentage, something like sixty five percent of fourth grade girls will tell you they're interested in math and science and yet 20% less than 20% of the girls in our stem programs in college are, are people in college are women so from the ground up from the beginning it, you know it's those little subtle things you know don't get your dress dirty yeah. and, and it, it's something to think about i mean gaz you've got you've got young girls right yep to, yeah, to think mean, about I mean, go on just to think about how you encourage or discourage with the tiniest little sentences. It's not telling them, uh, you know, you can't be an engineer. I'm, I'm but pretty maybe sure the actually subtle- with kids, if you, if you actually do that and you say you can't, probably the best possible <laughs> way to encourage them. Well, that depends we, on the age, yeah, not, yeah. not with little kids. I mean, we've always been totally open and, you know, all-encompassing. We, did, we just have I, – I, I, 
it's difficult to say stuff like this without, you know, basically showing off. But I think we've brought <laughs> our kids up completely rounded, completely rounded. Mm-hmm. And we have allowed them to do what they wanted to do uh, and, and go down the route they wanted uh, to do without any encouragement one way or the other. Um, you know, if they if they found something that they enjoyed, then we encourage that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're kind of moving back into the uh, the men and women thing. Uh, 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 not argument, but discussion. Mm. Um, obviously, um, we were moving on to the ethnic diversity. And one thing which I think is I think is relevant here is the, the actual numbers. Because if you look at the, the percentages here, you've got the ethnic diversity in the, U, the US. You've got eight, almost 80% overall as being white. And then you've got 4% as being Asian. And if you flow down into the tech and non-tech positions in all of these companies, look at the Asian percentages. They are enormous. So 23%, 41%, 34%, 60%. That's really interesting. And you've got a workforce in America, uh, Asian, of being 5.4%. So that just tells me that the people are coming over to work and they want to work in the tech companies. Now, whether they then take that knowledge back with them, but are we talking 1,000? Are we talking 10,000? When you've got a country, what are you, 260 million to 200 and what's the, the oh, population? I have no idea. <laughs> so precise, well, it's a, let's say it's 280 million. Uh, I, I think when I, years ago, I, I seem to remember a number of 250 million. Let's say it's it now 200 million. Surely. No, it couldn't be billion. There's only... Th- no, 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 million, million. I think it's million. I think it's million. Um, um, but if, you know, if, if that's... 50,000 Asian, you know, a number and a high percentage of them are working in the tech industry. You can see that a small number could easily sway those numbers, those percentages quite easily. So it makes that difficult. I think it comes interesting when it becomes into the Hispanic, black and the mixed race numbers. That's where I think it can. Yeah, the Hispanic and black numbers um, in the tech industry, in tech positions are running about half of what the population is in the United States, where the Asian population is running running, what, six, eight times as many in tech positions as they are represented in the population. In all cases, whites are dramatically underrepresented in tech positions in in, uh, the tech companies. By the way, it's 313.9 million as of 2012. (laughs) There you go then. (laughs) Thanks, Black. I I have terrible trouble with the whole race conversation because – over here, you're just not allowed to ask people about their race. It's just, if the census here had a box for race and we had to go and put ourselves in a box, it would be, there would be a revolt. People would say, how dare you categorize us? We are what we are. You know, we don't fit into your neatly defined boxes. Go away now. Funnily, uh, funnily, sorry, I called you guy then, Bart. That's quite um, a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, funnily enough, I I see it the other way that people are quite openly are happy to talk about their their race, and that there's no problems and there's no animosity towards what you deem yourself to be. Um, now we're in a very diverse country in the UK, and you know, coming from London, it's a a, a massively diverse uh, city, but it, you know. I think a lot of the big conurbations are very diverse and they're, they're mixed as well. It's not as if we've got, dare I say, ghettos. People, you know, people openly mix with each other and it, it's not a problem. So 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's actually the most metropolitan system in the world, but London no, is certainly no. one of the most. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say it is. Um, I'm, it's I'm up there, right? It, it's certainly up there. Um, but again, I think it's one one owns you know attitude towards other people in general. I see other people. I don't see other races. It's, One thing that you can be pretty sure of in the um, in the race information in the United States is that the Hispanic and black communities tend to be poorer. And so, you know, you've got a lot of people working extra jobs and things like that. Maybe they're not home helping their kids get, get up and get it and then being able to go to college in the first place. So I'm not really surprised to see the, the Hispanic and black as low as they are. But that's clearly something we have to fix. So we're back to the whole. We got to be just as easy as fixing the female male thing. (laughs) Just as easy. (laughs) You said the word easy, Alison. Either that or the Asians are way smarter than the white people. I I don't know where we go with that. Pretty sure science says that's not so. (laughs) Okay, so this is this is a little dangerous, and I think we all agree this whole conversation is dangerous. But Bart, I think early in the conversation you said something about. "Quote unquote," them coming over to work in the tech companies, and I assume I you were referring that. to. I, I, I thought you did, but somebody it's did. Gas. Anyway, I did too. Uh, was it gas? Okay. Well, the point is, uh, I don't care who said it. The, <laughs> the kind of the point is, does that point to any kind of a cultural issue about the the U.S. educational system and the U, the educational system of other countries? Maybe there's more of a focus on science and math elsewhere, and maybe sometimes a little too much of of the other stuff in this country i think that's the point actually um it, it the fact that they have um I, I think asian the asian culture is very much aimed towards uh math and i think the tech side in asia has taken up you know enormously so the asians will go out and look for the the areas where they can get high paying high role jobs in those companies um, and possibly take that information and that knowledge back to to create uh, their own uh, their own little companies because they're very entrepreneurial people I, I, we could probably I, go on about this forever but i, I hey bart i want yeah. i, I, I want to hit one thing okay, and, no, I've, hit, and, hit and, away. and that and that was gaz you just said something really interesting and that is the, the entrepreneurial part I don't know if any of you listened to the entrepreneurial – oh, shoot. What is it? The Entrepreneurial Thought Leaders podcast out of Stanford. Um, but it's, it's, it's wonderful. And I listened to them talk about their entrepreneur program within the, the college and think, man, I dearly wish that I had had anything like that when I was in school because they are teaching kids how to think like an entrepreneur. And I just wonder how much that is in maybe another culture, as Gaz said, and how much it's not widespread in in the United States culture or maybe even in the European culture. I, I would say it's also true in Europe. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have had a class in school where they sat me down and went, so this is what a company is. This is how you set one up. This is what all of these things mean. Yep. And if you want to yep. do something, you need to consider patents. You need to consider trademarks. This is what they mean. I would have loved to know all of that. And it's just <laughs> not in our education system. I yep. think when you were that young, they didn't realize how important the whole patent system was going to be. <laughs> well, okay, maybe patents is a bad example, but certainly the tax system has been around for pretty much forever. It would be nice to know how that works. And a business plan, how to set up a business plan. Yeah, you know, all, I mean, all, all those things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's called an MBA, you guys. But no, not how to be a manager. A... No, 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 no. It's not the same thing. MBA has nothing to do with manager. Isn't that what the M stands for? No, Masters of Business Administration. That's teaching you how to do business. 
I thought that's it was where you mop, get that information. I, I thought it was a mop bucket assistant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> I, I, and I, it's I, the silly season. I, yes. I'm going to throw in my my one one piece of thing into this conversation, and then we probably move on. But I, the way I look at all these things is, we should be asking ourselves: Where are the inequalities in opportunity, and how do we fix them? And and if that's where the conversation goes, I always think it's a positive conversation. If the conversation goes towards quotas and, and targets, I worry. I, I want to give one um, one plug to something intelligent that was shortly used in my company. Unfortunately, they stopped doing it. Uh, as a line manager, I had, I don't know, 170 people working for me. And HR handed me a list showing me my uh, uh, male, female, and, and uh, race statistics by level and said simply, just look at it. They didn't tell me what to do with it. They didn't give me a quota. They just said, look at it. And I started looking at it and I started digging in and I found um, an Asian guy that I thought I had, had promoted like years before and I never had and also found a white guy I'd forgotten. And so just by having access to the information, I was able to, it's sort of like, you know, whatever you measure, you can change. I think hmm. if companies could um, give that access to their, to their managers, it could actually help. Which I guess with Apple's transparency report bringing us back around, that seems to be their approach is here is something measurable. Let's go. Yeah, I'd encourage companies to share it down to the lowest manager level because they might not be doing it on purpose. But until it slaps you in the face, you don't see it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, one last thing, Gaz. I wanted to tell you that I am not perfect in the way I raise my children. I told them they better be technical or I'd kill them. I'm not kidding you. If I'd had a, I, re, I remember my father with my oldest brother who decided to be a musician and it got real ugly. And I just told my kids, you don't want that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> not open minded one little bit. Anyway, I'm going to put the link to can, the can I, can I comparisons. It, do, it certainly wouldn't do for us all to be the same, Alison. That would be terrible. There boring. you go. <laughs> so I'm going to stick the number, uh, the, the link with the, all the numbers into the uh, show notes so that people can peruse at their leisure and come to their own conclusions and also that link Alison that you recommended on um, sexism in the techie stuff I also added the Verizon inspire her mind uh, thing that that really makes you think if you've got got young girls watch this and the video is in there and just okay. go hmm. so that's okay no I'll pop that in too so that is three interesting links we have for the show notes okay um story number four and final is not I, I don't know if I really want to talk about it very much, because I, I, I set a rule for this podcast. We don't do rumors. So the only real fact we have is that Apple, on the 9th of September, are going to tell us stuff. That's a fact. <laughs> okay, good enough. Um, the other, the, there is one other, actually, there's one other interesting fact, is that Apple have published uh, a new rule that says that you, as an app developer, may not share health kit information with advertisers. Yay. <laughs> it's kind of sad they had to tell them that. <laughs> Arguably, yes, but I'm glad they did. As, sure. you know, as a person who is considering using HealthKit, I, you know, one of the things that would make me go ooh is if that was being sold to advertisers. So, you know, I like. That. I would. I would prefer if they also told them to make sure that they look after the data fairly seriously as well. Well, the idea is the health kit should be where it's stored, so I guess that means true. We're, we're trusting true. Apple with it. Yes, true. That's which true. I feel quite comfortable with compared to trusting someone like Google or Facebook with it. Again, we come I've back rec- to the whole follow the money argument. I've recently become very interested in the way these online systems are working. I mm. talked to my show about a um, 
my healthcare provider just signed up with a new company called Follow My Health, and it allowed me to see my medical records. And I was astonished to find out that I was in stage three kidney failure. <laughs> something you would have thought I would have noticed, right? And so yeah. I wrote to my doctor and I said, so did I miss a memo? Am I on some medication for this? And she wrote back and said, oh, uh, yeah, that's an error. Let me fix that. Now, had I not had access to that information, not been able to check yeah. my own records, maybe I go into the hospital and I get denied some medication that I need because they think it's going to conflict with my stage three kidney uh, failure medication. Right, and there's so, a lot of medication actually that, that's hard on the kidneys because the kidneys are your filters. Yeah. So, you know, on the one hand, I would have preferred nobody made a bonehead mistake like that, but right. at least I was able to catch it because I had access to it. And more importantly, I was able to just shoot an email through this system, you know, a, a private email to say to my doctor, hey, dude, fix this. So um, I'm kind of a fan of this online transparency back to you. But like Gaz says, uh, yeah, you better protect it. Yeah. And, but from what Bart's been telling me in Security Light, that's not necessarily all companies' strong suit. What was that VP? Uh, was what was it you were telling me about? Well, there was um, a U.S. company lost four point five million people's medical records. Yeah, but there was also the uh, people had uh, VNC. Oh running. yes, VNC and pharmacies and stuff. Yeah, so people's health records are just sitting there with unsecured VNC sessions. That was genius. <laughs> genius. Um, Nothing could possibly go wrong, Gaz. <laughs> Great. No, my thing on all of this is always follow the money. You know, if a company makes money selling your data, don't give them your health data. Yeah, sometimes it's follow the stupidity as well, though, Bart. Follow the competence. Cause you run away from the stupidity, follow the competence. <laughs> you know, I'm, if you can find this may sound strange. I'm going to defend some of this just a little bit. I think I think that there's a lot. There are a lot of industries out there that are not technically savvy the way that you know we all expect them to be. That they they don't really realize, and and I'm talking about industries, not companies, mm -hmm. but industries who don't value their data the same way that we do. They don't yeah. realize what they're sitting sitting there having because I know, I I mean I know I've run across a number of companies day to day who I'm just a little horrified about the the way they handle things, the way they look at things, and you know it's easy to do because you don't think anything about it. Until you, if you, until you step back a second and say, "Hey, you know what? I just emailed a social security number in an unsecured email. Darn!" <laughs> and you know, stuff that you don't you don't think about. Yeah, I have and, to say, Chuck, when I when I started podcasting, I used to do a a European section for Mike Potter over on the For Mac Eyes Only podcast, and I was almost every week coming up with a security breach. Now, I have to say that doesn't. Um, you know, I'm still keeping my eyes open for that sort of information, and I don't see as much of it. I must admit. So that you know, companies are getting better, but I agree with you. Some and uh, some organisations and some industries just don't understand it. Well, you well, might and, need and, to be listening to Security Light from Bart on my show, guys. It's constant. Yeah, it's. It, <laughs> It, it used to. I I was doing it from a very localized position, though. Alison is oh, what okay. I mean. I mean, it, you know, from a, a, a. I think Art picks it up from a, a more global perspective. Yeah. I, I was seeing constant uh, local issues on, oh, okay. on, a, on a much smaller scale, and all the time just picking them up. So um, I agree. I agree with you. It doesn't. It still happens absolutely, and they still need to it's, take care. It's a culture thing again, though. And I think in Europe there's a slightly different culture because we have very strong data protection laws which land you in court and with fines and stuff if you, if you don't deal yeah. with people's yeah. personal data in a secure way. And I know Ireland is actually the, 
Ireland seems to be one of the most active in Europe. Our, our um, information commissioner regularly seems to end up dealing with large corporations. Actually, no, that's because they all have headquarters in Ireland. That's why. <laughs> now just realise. <laughs> no, no. Okay, so Facebook and all those people are in Ireland, and we have an active data commissioner, which is a good mix. Yes. So anyway, it, you know, it is okay. it is a lot to do about culture because in in Europe you own your data and the company's just minding it, whereas in America the company owns the data and they might let you see it, which changes yeah, I, the dynamic massively, right? But we need to we need to make people aware. I mean, I think it, I think the part of it starts at home. You know, yes. we need to make people aware that you need to shred your credit card receipts. Yeah. That you, in yeah. fact, you need to shred a lot of stuff that you get in the in, at least in the U.S. and and just in the postal mail. Um, I, I know one restaurant chain. I'm not going to name the name, but it it is for, they are forever asking me when I pay with a credit card. Well, would you like your uh, your receipt emailed to you now? Do you really think that they are just gathering my email address to email me a receipt? No. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. And and yet people will do it. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, good. Just just send it to me. You know, I I don't have a problem doing that with Apple because first of all, they've already got my stuff and and I'll do it with them. Chuck, you have direct deposited Apple. So what are you talking about? Well, yeah, that's about the truth. But, you know, I I, I just I think it's got the awareness has got to start from the ground up. And if you see a company that is not dealing with your data the way you think it should be, change. Change. I I, I mean, I, uh, I can really get passionate about this because I see financial institutions insisting that I use Internet Explorer to access <laughs> them. Guess what? That You know, I, I run, don't walk away from them because that to me, first of all, it says that they're, they're insensitive, they're technologically inept, and there's a pretty good chance of a security breach. So that, that's, now that's just me, and that's not a slander at anybody in, in at one area. It's just that mm, I, I, I really, really feel strongly about this, that you've got to think a little bit yourself. Yep. It was part I, of – because of what I learned from Bart that I uh, discovered or noticed that my credit union for my company didn't have uh, HTTPS for the login screen. Like mm-hmm. once you put in your user ID, it would switch over. And so I went in and I yelled at them and they said, oh, well, it's okay. It's because it's HTTPS after that. I said, no, it's not okay because man, man in the middle attack, blah, blah, blah. And within, I don't know, a week, it was fixed. So I made everybody at work thank me. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, you're I, right. Awareness is where it starts because if the more people are aware, the more people will do what you did also and ring up or send an email or complain in some way. When politicians come knocking on your door, you'll bring it up because you're aware of it. You know, if no one's aware of it, nothing will ever happen. No one will feel any pressure to do anything. Yeah, absolutely. And walking with your dollars, Chuck, that's good advice. Yeah. And I, I, all my paper documentation gets spread over the garden. But precisely, you got it, you got it, Alison. We, we shred it and then put it in the compost. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, well, Bart, I know you this- Oh, I'm sorry. I was, there's this other little invention that we've had for a while called fire. <laughs> that's also fun. Oh, I think that's illegal in California. Oh, I don't think we're allowed to light anything on fire because it hasn't rained here in eight years. So, uh, yeah, one little piece of paper, whoosh! Oh, well, there goes the state. <laughs> California's gone. Hey, Bart, I know uh, you said you you didn't want to talk about rumors, but can mm-hmm. can I ask the panel just because I'm curious what your answers would be if. Apple were to announce a uh, 4.7-inch iPhone and a 5.5-inch iPhone on, uh, what is it, the 9th, and assume that you were going to buy one, whether you are or not, just pretend you were, which one would you get and why? 
do I have to choose one of those two sizes? Because I want one the same size as the one I have now. Okay, now that's a valid answer. So, okay, so, so, the, so the question is, are they going to have three sizes? <laughs> well, I well hope so, because my thumbs aren't getting any bigger. <laughs> uh, that, that that's rumor mongering. I want to know. <laughs> I um, want to know what people's reasons would be whether they would go bigger, uh, five point five or four point seven. If those were the two choices, I can sum it up very quickly, Alison. I have little girly hands. The iPhone five <laughs> is as big as I can go before it becomes awkward. I don't want a bigger phone. Okay. How about you guys? I, I would struggle to go with a larger phone because I really? I like because I like the convenience of the phone that I have at the moment. It would be nice to have a bigger screen. It would be nice to have a screen which enlarges itself once you get the phone out of your pocket. But to have a, <laughs> but to have a large phone in my pocket, no thank you. I don't want it any bigger than it is at the moment. Interesting. How about you, Chuck? Uh, you know, I'm going to hedge. And I'm, I'm going to hedge because I want to know... Seven. <laughs> Well, now, I want to know the dimensions across yeah. the board of all my choices yeah. and then figure out, do they fit in my pants pocket? Do they fit in my breast pocket of my suit? You know, where are they going to fit? Because that's that to me is one of the big fallacies of these phones is I see people who are literally having to carry them in their hand because they won't fit in a pocket, which I think is, you know, one of the dumbest things. You should just get I've over and get a purse for crying out loud. Well, no, it's one-handed use. For me, I need to be able to use the phone with one hand while I'm, well, cycling and stuff. Probably shouldn't, but shush. <laughs> I need to be able to pick the I'm next podcast have... without having to stop, use two hands. It's just, I, I hate, not, even if I'm just walking up the corridor, I probably have a cup of coffee in one hand and my phone in the other. I'd like to be able to use my phone without having to find somewhere to put my coffee down. It, it really is that hmm. simple for me. A phone should be a convenient one-handed device that fits in your pocket with ease. And I have so seen like... these megaphones. I have picked them up. I have played with them. And I have put them down and been delighted with my iPhone 5. Most people I've seen with the larger phone use them with two hands. Yeah. And yeah, that, exactly yeah. to your point, Pat. Huh. I mean, they're, they're, those, some of those screens are absolutely gorgeous. And if you're doing anything photo or video, I think that they're a huge asset. Um, but, yeah, again, I want to I see real world. I, you can do all the screen dimensions you want, uh, but I want to know exactly how big the overall device is, how it's going to feel in my hand, how it, and how I'm going to carry it with me. If all these rumors turn out to be true, or if even half these rumors turn out to be true, I think for the first time in a long time, we're all going to have to physically go to a store, pick yes. one up, and feel it before we can... But i got to have it on day one, Bart! <laughs> <laughs> then you got to get up I at do. 4 a.m. and queue for 26 so, hours. So if... if, if, if both uh, exercises appear, Alison. Are you going to buy two? I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Why did you, you buy a Windows phone in the first place? I mean, seriously, I'd like to know what, what you – was it just out of curiosity? You want to see how the other half lives or what? Well, yeah. How about, for, for $92, I was able to get what is a high-quality device. It's a beautiful phone. I mean, I like the, I like the feel and, and uh, build quality as good as my iPhone. Um, for $92 and no commitment beyond that, I was able to play with an operating system I'd never played with before. What's, uh, what's wrong with that? I mean, I bought a Nexus 7 for the same reason. But that's um, a $92, $92 discount you could have had on your next iPhone. Yeah, but I want to play with it. I want to learn about it. Right? I mean, you ever buy a book you want to read because you just want to see if you're going to like it? Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. You, you know, you buy things you're not sure you're going to like sometimes. And I have to tell you, I like this phone. I like this operating system. I hate this store. Um, the, the Windows App Store is, uh, it's just all lies. I mean, while we were talking here, I, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and the, and the reviews appear to be either fake or the bar is set so low it's ridiculous. I just downloaded a, um, a 2048 game to the um, to the Nokia while we were talking, and it was the uh, second highest rated. It had two thousand ratings, four and a half stars. The minute I launched it and I started to move one of the tiles, an ad came up on screen. <laughs> now, how could you give something four and a half stars? Two thousand people rated it that high. I smell I mean, a butt. Uh, uh, something's yeah. funny about it. Now, Microsoft is um, just cleaned out 1,500 um, misleading apps just recently because they'll have, like, I, I downloaded an app, said it was Google+. Plus. It wasn't Google+. Plus. It was from somebody else. It was not from Google, and yet it looked just like Google+. Plus. Again, it had hundreds, not thousands that time, but hundreds of positive reviews, and it was absolute garbage. I mean, it was terrible. So um, I hate the App Store, but the phone itself, it's beautiful. The operating system is slick. It's intuitive. It's easy to use. It's got a cool feature like um, I can have Wi-Fi off until I get near one of my favorite places. So it's, it's, it's really cool. Why not test it out? This is, this, is, this is a silly question in some ways, but I'm just curious. What color do you like your boxes in? Two well, of my colleagues like that. have massive arguments about red or green. I don't like the flat colored boxes. I think that's just stupid. I don't want to have to read to figure out which icon I'm going to click on. Um, I do like that you can change their sizes so they can be like a big square, a long rectangle or a small square. Uh, you can rearrange them really easily. You can plop okay, them into but, folders but which now. Which did you go for? I don't, I just hate it all. I don't know. I think it's orange right now. I can't stand it either way. <laughs> the only thing I like less than that though is that tiles like your people tile is constantly changing photos. It's like if you make it the big long rectangle, it's, it's covered with little tiny squares and they're all flipping over all the time. Gives you kind of a little epileptic seizure while you're looking at it. I don't like that. Okay. Getting back from this weekend, Windows Phone. Um, before we before we wrap up, um, so obviously next month we're going to be talking about Apple cool stuff, and that'll be great fun. Um, just a few quick stories that I thought were worth mentioning, but not worth counting as big stories. Um, we mentioned at the start of the show that we demoted a story because it turned out to be fiction. Um, that story was that the Chinese government had removed Apple from their procurement list. Um, Alison, you you found the uh, correct story. Do you want to quickly explain? Yeah. Uh, after that article uh, came out, um, the Chinese government actually uh, said, no, that wasn't the procurement list. That was uh, a different list. It was the, uh, what was it, their energy saving list that Apple had never even applied to be on in the first place. And that, no, they weren't taken, they were not blacklisted for security reasons. They were not blacklisted in any way from, uh, from the procurement by the Chinese government. So that article, the rebuttal articles from Reuters. I, I usually trust Reuters. Yeah, fairly reputable. Um, the the other story that's worth mentioning, simply because we mentioned the man so many times over the 11, now 12 episodes <laughs> of this show, uh, Steve Ballmer really is finished with Microsoft. He has now resigned from the board. He sent a very, a very polite letter. He got a very nice answer back um, from the new CEO. He is off to study, to teach, and to run a sports team. And I have a feeling he's going to be certainly good at the sports team. Uh, uh, he, he strikes me as being passionate about that in all the right ways i can now i can now see you looking around for your next victim but victim <laughs> who's, <laughs> who's going to take who, who's going to take place of steve barmer oh come on it's just you know it's i would love to, to be on here every week saying how much i love what microsoft are doing so i, I, I have I, high hopes i think microsoft are not a bad company come on Mitch, you know. no right the best thing about microsoft in the last couple of years has been their their cloud division which was yeah. headed up by Satya Nadella, who is now their CEO. The, uh, 
I their cloud ex, their cloud offerings are good, right? I'm not even putting caveats on that. Their cloud offerings are good, and now that guy is running the whole company. I genuinely have high hopes. But I, what, I he's done, I what he's done so far fills me with dread. Well, Not I, dread, I, just well, disappointment. Well, the way I see it is Microsoft is the world's biggest oil tanker. It's going to take him a while to heave, heave over. Yeah, we, yeah absolutely. It's, 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 that's a big turning circle. It is. Now, what, what does worry me a bit is every time the man sends out an email, it's in the worst PR speak I've ever read. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> but apparently but that's he, normal. But remember, he he had some pretty tough words to say. Okay, and then I'm laying off a trunk load of people, so you know most of a country. Um, so he had some tough messages to get out there. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but he weaselled them. I don't like weasel words. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. I think it was. I'm going to be. Who, I'm going to be disappointed in not seeing Steve Ballmer in our newsfeed. <laughs> really? Oh, I'm I'm afraid you're going to still see him. It's just going to be in a different newsfeed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you never knew it. that he. You never know that he knew he liked Clippy that much. <laughs> um, let me see. What I think else he'd be I? perfect jumping around on a on a basketball court, screaming at people. I mean, that's kind of a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Well, if you take that clip of him at that developer conference, you know, dub some sound over it and Photoshop it into the edge of a basketball court. Yeah. So yeah. wait, perfect. Yeah. It was a basketball team, wasn't it? Or was it baseball? Yeah, basketball. Okay, it's one of those American sports we don't have here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The team you bought, yeah. yeah. Um, something else I'm just mentioning to put a pin in it, uh, because I think this is going to be an area of importance in the future. Samsung have bought a company called Smart Things, which do a whole load of home automation stuff. I think this whole home kit thing is going to take off slowly over the next couple of years, and I think we're only seeing the start of this, so I just thought I'd mention it so that people can put a pin in it, and we'll see where it goes. Can I put a quick pin in? I Go think on. there's going to. I think there's going to be stuff on the ninth as well from Apple on smart homes. I hope so. My home could do with being smartened up. <laughs> Pretty dumb at the moment. Your stupid house. Yeah, no, it's got an IQ of zero at the moment. It's, it's <laughs> um, Apple are also continuing their push to clean up their environmental act. Uh, Benzene and N-hexane are gone from final assembly processes, or rather the rule says they're not allowed, so now they just got to make sure the companies obey the rule, but hopefully they will. And finally, if you have an iPhone 5 that's quite old, that's from the early batch, and its battery is gone to rubbish, uh, you're not alone, and Apple will replace your battery for you, assuming you meet the criteria. In other words, there's an iPhone battery replacement program. And that is everything that I had marked. If anyone on the panel feels that there is some spectacular August news I've left out, by all means, shout. Did you not see that new Mac? No, what happened? <laughs> 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 oh, dear. For, for just a second, Bart, Bart's heart skipped. <laughs> for, for just a teeny tiny moment, everyone. What, who, oh, wait a second, this is guess. Yeah. Uh, okay, so thank you very much, folks. Um, before I wrap up, just a little... Um, so we have a Google Plus community, which most listeners probably don't know about because I haven't really been telling you about it. And <laughs> I joined it today. Yeah, creating something and then not telling people about it is a pretty good way to have it not do very much. And that's kind of what it's done, really. Not very much. So I, I've created the, Well, no, I've, I'm telling you about the community. It's already been there all along. And I've popped in a little question for you to get discussion going. The simple question is quite simple. So I... The way I do this show is I collect news stories throughout the month. I stick them into a little folder in Instapaper. At the end of the month, I sort of assemble what I think are good shows, and then I create 
private show notes for myself and the panel so that we sort of know what we're talking about. Now, if I put in a little bit more work, I could actually turn those into something presentable and put them out in full show notes for everyone to use. But that would be more work for me. So the question is, do you guys think that's something you would like? If the answer is yes, I'll very happily do the work. But if the answer is no, yeah, I'm not going to bother. So go over and uh, have your say. So that is, yeah, the G Plus community is called Let's Talk. It's got the big shiny green logo that I love so much. So uh, go there. Oh, it's also linked on our website. And our website is at lets-talk.ie. Well, there is also something else I'd like you to do. is those giant big blue buttons that say support this show. All of you who support us on Patreon, thank you very much. You guys rock. And uh, there's also a big... So basically, you can support us on Patreon. What that means is every show that comes out, I get whatever it is that you've decided to pledge. Sort of, I think it's a patron of the art sort of idea. Basically, iPodcast, you contribute money. And the idea is, you know, a small amount comes in regularly and it's very useful, helps me pay the bills. And unfortunately, there are always bills. And then the other one is just a PayPal button does what it says in the tin you know i'm not trying to make a living out of this i just sort of want to have the bills be paid for that that's what i'm hoping for um thank you very much to the panelists without you guys this show would be rather boring really i don't think anyone would pay to listen to me talk to myself for an hour (laughs) hey shouldn't we say happy one year anniversary on let's talk apple it's been 12 shows it must be 12 months i was gonna say do we do we do that celebration on the first show of the next year Oh, yeah, forget it. I take it back. That's what I was going to do, but that's the 13th <laughs> show, and that's unlucky. Because Allison is so good at math. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, your birthday is... Yeah, anyway, yeah. I, I was going to save that for next time. <laughs> can can okay. I just say, Bart, actually, I, I just put into the Google Plus Communities page, Let's Talk, and boy, do you get a prefer of, uh, of <laughs> Let's Talk pages. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. If you go to let's-talk.ie and click the little Google icon at the top, that'll probably help. I'm assuming you did remember to put that icon there. That'd be terrible if I didn't turn that on. I know I meant to. I can see it. I'm pressing it now. Let's see if it works. There you go. Yes, it does. Okay, so the G Plus icon and then the the bar at the top of let's-talk.ie does indeed do what it's supposed to do. Phew. Cool. Okay, so in reverse order, Chuck, thank you very much for joining us. Do you want to give people some links for where they can follow you? If I remember rightly, you do about 20 kabillion podcasts, give or take. Well, that was that was the way it used to be. Now everything is consolidated into VacVoices.com. Uh, just go there and you'll get everything in one convenient feed. Um, and you can find me on Twitter as Chuck Joyner. Excellent. And, you know, it's still as much content. It's just in one name now. Yes, exactly, exactly. They've decided to consolidate the brand a bit and uh, make it a little bit easier for everyone to find everything. Cool, because you're still very busy. Plus, we yeah, all wanted to was listening to how much you did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Um, I was nice for over an hour. True. You did very Allison. well. Do you have any show you might like to talk about? Sure. I do the NoSillaCast Mac podcast, except sometimes I talk about Windows Phone, over at podfeet.com, P-O-D-F-E-E-T, and I'm podfeet on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you very much, Gaz. Uh, Gazmaz on Twitter, gazmaz.com, points me to, points you to a website which basically links very much to the G-Men, uh, the MyMac.com podcast. And uh, that's where myself and a gentleman called Guy Searle, we call ourselves the G-Men, um, basically, well, you can pretty much say we ridicule ourselves, to be honest with you. <laughs> you just have a gentlemen? lot of fun for an hour every week, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen? Gentle, yes, gentlemen. Yes, gentlemen, Alison. Well, they're not Definitely. ladies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Whatever else they are, they're certainly not ladies, so we'll, we'll call them gentlemen. Oh. 
Anyway, thanks very much, everyone. I've been your host, Bart Boucher, so You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi everyone, this is Gaz from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here with that big Yang Tank guy. Hey, you nitwit Brit! Did you know the MyMac.com podcast is one of the longest-running Mac podcasts out there? I did know that. Why do you think that is? I think it's because we bring a blend of tech and entertainment that no other show can do. I thought it was because one of us is incredibly handsome. <laughs> well, thanks, Gaz. I do try to look my best. Yes, Guy. Of course. But how can people find the podcast? Well, they should just go to iTunes and do a podcast search for MyMac.com. So subscribe and get your weekly dose of tech fun. Wait, I, I thought I was the handsome one. Yeah, you just keep thinking that and we'll be all right. Mm-hmm.